Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you don't know it, you're greatly loved. Greatly loved. Wow. Well, she didn't know that. These songs, they didn't know what I was going to speak on today. But I want to talk to you for a few moments as God put in my heart to share with you about the incredible, unfailing love of God towards you. The incredible, unfailing love of God towards you. One more time, look at somebody and say, you're greatly loved. Thank you, worship team. You guys can go relax for a few moments. Man, I'm just so excited about what the Lord is doing. I really am, and I believe this is something that you and I need to understand more and more and more as we are moving forward, and especially moving forward into the days ahead in a brand new year, that we are loved by God, and God is not going to let us go. He's not going to let us down. He's not going to disappoint us. Even though our hearts may break at time, and we don't understand everything, He's still God, and He's still backing us up, and He's still supporting us. Amen? I love this time of year. You know, everything is pointing to Jesus. I don't know if you realize that or not. And as we're going into this Christmas season or as we're there just a few days away and, and everything is happening, I know your homes are decorated everywhere you go. The hustle and bustle is there. The lights. I love seeing how God has let, has let a, a left a witness of himself even when you and I don't see it and understand it. Did you ever think about uh, you ever think about all the lights and everything that you see? You know, around the Christmas time, we we've got the house. Diane's been working to get the house ready. Christmas, you know, she was sick, so we're behind a little bit, and she was wrapping gifts. She's got some special ways she's wrapping gifts this year. But I noticed the colors and everything that is being used. Everything is pointing to Jesus. Did you ever think about that for a moment? Let's uh, Just for a moment, it, I'll just add this in. I'd plan to do it anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it in. Did you ever think about all the colors? We got all these primary colors, and we got these beautiful trees that we use that you and I will sit around. We call it a Christmas tree, but yet at the same time, it's revealing Jesus to us. Think about the tree. I think the tree represents a couple of things. First of all, it represents the tree that Jesus would die upon, upon a cross. Except this tree isn't a cruel old tree. It's a green tree, and the color green speaks of life. So upon a tree, Jesus died so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. Not only does it speak of, of life and, and does it speak of the death of Christ, but it also speaks of covenant. Because when covenant would be made in those days. You'll go back and find it in, in Abraham's story that they met at a tree or a tree was planted. It represented it represented covenant. We also see the colors of white, red, the golds, the silvers. Well, the white speaks of purity. The red speaks of the blood. The silver speaks of redemption. The gold speaks of glory. The blue speaks of heavenly. The purple speaks of kingly and royalty. 
penalty, everything about everything about the story or everything that we do reveals Jesus. Every gift under the tree because for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son as a gift for every one of us. See, you, if you don't understand giving, you'll never understand what love is. And if you don't understand true love and giving, you'll never be able to receive everything that God has intended for you to walk in. The Bible tells us in the book, I'm going to start in Isaiah, whatever your name is back there. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice what he said. He's speaking of something heavenly. The prophet prophesying hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus that a son would be given, a child would be born, but a son would be given to us. Then I want us to go into the New Testament because it's an unfolding of what was happening at that very moment right there into the book of John chapter 3. It's to the most favorite verse that probably every one of us, it was possibly the very first verse that most of us in our lifetime had ever remembered uh, remembering. Or at least it was in mine, I should say. And I've come to find out no matter where I go, if I bring up this verse and ask everybody to repeat it with me, most people don't have to open their Bible up or have it up on the screen. And it's simply John 3.16, and I know it's up there because she's got it back there. But it simply says this. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This moment of time in this Christmas season, what you're seeing more than anything isn't just about the birth of a little baby, the one that we will call Jesus. And I'm so thankful that he's not the little baby anymore. But I've also got news for you. He's not the man hanging on the cross. And I've got news beyond that. He's not the man that's in the tomb. And I got news beyond that, that he now sits in heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He conquered death hell and the grave and he holds the keys to the life he holds the keys of death and to every blessing we would ever need but even in the midst of all that God said there's one thing I want you to see I want you to understand my great unfailing love for you it just didn't happen in a moment this kind of love that I'm talking about isn't just something that was spawned at the moment like it was for me probably, what, 49 years ago, maybe 50 years ago when my beautiful wife now, when we were just teenagers, when I looked across that crowded room and I saw this, this beautiful young lady with long, uh, long brown hair that went way back there and my heart began to pitter-patter and something began to go, wow, that was a love for a moment 
but, but the love that I'm talking about was a love that far superseded or far supersedes any moment of anything that you can be in because our love can come and go. Our love can wane like the wind. It can move around and shift around. But when God said this, for God so loved the world, God took his love. He said, I fell in love with you before I ever created anything in this world. I want you to think about that for a moment. He fell in love with us. My, my daughter is over here. And I remember when she was in being born, the day she was to be born, Diane was in, was in labor, or I think was the inducing labor. She was at the hospital, but she was in labor. She's in that room, and all I know is she comes, all I know is the nurse runs in, flips her on her side, said, you get out of here. And the next thing I know, they're running off with her, not knowing really where they're going. And then a little short time later, I'm standing out in the hallway with my family, waiting, wondering what the news is. And then there comes a nurse pushing one of those little plastic things, you know, with the baby in it. And I heard that baby cry. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was my daughter, Stacy, over there. I hadn't even got to see her. Matter of fact, I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her before she, before I ever saw her with my eye. When she was being formed in her mama's womb the moment that we heard that we had a child that we were going to give birth to a child I had already fell in love with her it didn't matter what she looked like it didn't matter how tall she was how short how this or how that I just fell in love with her and if I can explain it in a nutshell the love of God goes even greater than that towards you it is an it is an incredible, unfailing, steadfast love that God has for your life. God loved you enough that he said, wait a minute. I'm going to send my very best so that you can receive my very best that I always intended for you to have in your lifetime. I remember when she came running down that hall, that nurse, and I heard that voice, this boy, this boy fell to the floor in tears. I mean, I backed up the walls. Any daddy know what I'm talking about? The first time you heard your, your little one, are you seeing the birth of that? I couldn't hold it back. It was a gushing of, of emotion. Maybe part be scared, but I believe more than that. It was the love that all of a sudden that I was encountering for this beautiful little human being that was being put in our lap that we would call Stacy. And I felt that way literally with every one of my kids and even my grandchildren that are sitting here. I felt that very same thing. You grandparents know what I'm talking about, don't you? You remember when your kid, my kids have been so creative showing us, you know, that they're going to have kids. You know, I remember Jared and Bailey came one day. They were at the house and they had brought a little, uh, brought a little bag in. Huh? A gift bag and gave to us and, and pulled it out. Wasn't it a little, yeah, a little bib thing? And, and said, and, and I'm, you know, duh. I'm, what's this for? There, there's, but I'm telling you, at that moment, we, we just, I, I mean, we were in love. We haven't even got close yet. 
when when Maverick when Maverick was uh, Jed and Alexis was uh, announcing about Maverick, we were playing cards. We were in Florida. Diane had fell and hurt her knee while we're there. She really didn't feel that great. Chad and Alexis is driving down. They're getting there real late to where we were. And we've got this card. What is that card game we play? Skippo, that's it. And, and it's, you know, a number game. You pass out all these cards. And as soon as they get there to the place, they want to play Skippo. I mean, like at midnight. What do you want to do that for? But we had to play a game of Skippo. And the cards are, you know, 1 through 12, and they were just waiting. They took one of the cards, and it was the number 5, because Maverick's the fifth grand, the fifth grandchild, right? Yeah, 1, 2, 3, 5. He's the fifth grand. He's the fifth grandchild. And they made a little note on the card, knowing that one of us would get the card to announce. And at that moment, I didn't have to see Maverick. I didn't have to know anything but that he's coming and I'm already in love. If I can feel that way, if we as grandparents can feel that way towards our children and grandchildren, how much greater is the love of God towards us? And God said, I loved you so much that I couldn't let you perish. I couldn't let you die. I couldn't let you go. I can't go. I can't live. Listen, this is what God is saying. I I cannot live in eternity without you. Even though I'm eternal and he's all life, he said, I refuse to say that I'm God and that I'm the eternal one. I refuse to say it without you being a part of it. That's how much God loves you. So God loved us enough that he gave his only begotten son. Now, I want you to know three things through here real quick. Three things about his love through this whole picture of him giving Jesus. The first thing he's showing us, he's just showing us just how much he loves us. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know that I, I love you guys. I think you're quite awesome. And I don't have a greater group of people to be among, to be very honest. That's the truth. But I don't know, I'm gonna, I don't know that I could give my kid for any one of you. I'm not gonna lie. You wouldn't either. I know you'd probably take a bullet for me. But I'm not gonna give my kid for you. I love you, but that would be a challenge. That would be difficult. But God gave his only. For us, he's showing us how much he loved us. And this wasn't, okay, I got to do something. I got to do something. They're in trouble. They're not going to get out unless I do something. You, you got to keep in mind, this went back before the foundation of the earth. Because Christ died, as Paul said, before the foundation of the earth. Here's the second thing that he showed us. He showed us what love really looks like. Because see, I can tell you I love you, and that really doesn't mean anything. And we are good at Christians at doing that. Hey, love you, brother. Yeah, right. But he showed us what love is all about. Because this is what love does. He showed us the depth. He showed us his love by giving through his death. That's how much 
He loved by giving life so that you and I could come out of death and have life. Here's the third thing that he showed us through, through there. He proved the depth of his love through the cross. He proved the depth. No wonder Paul said, we need a revelation of the love of God, the width, the breadth, the height, the length, every bit of it. To know the depth of, it, of the love. You don't want to know how much he loved us? That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was yet a sinner, Romans chapter 5, 8 declares, Jesus died for me. He's showing the depth of his love for us. You know, it's real easy to love people that do things for you. It's real easy to, do, to love people that's got your back and you feel like, you know, you've got theirs. That's real easy. But when they're walking away from you or when they've done something evil, when they won't have anything to do with you, they talk. That's a whole nother picture. And our humanity doesn't do that well. Mine don't. I guarantee you, yours don't do it well either. That's why we're commanded. Jesus said, as you've watched me love, he said, now I want you to love one another to the same gift, to the same dimension. But you got to understand this whole picture. Because in the book of John, chapter 3, it starts out with a, with a teacher, a rabbi, that has been following Jesus. And no doubt heard his message. And no doubt has seen his miracles. And evidently one night after Jesus had done a meeting and everybody had gone, Nicodemus follows him. And the Bible says he comes to Jesus by night. And he hollers at him, Rabbi or great teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God. How did he know that? How did he know that? Don't think for a moment. This is why we've got to declare the goodness of the Lord. Because he said, no man could do the things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus speaks to him and says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's an interesting statement for him, I think, for me to, to hear, especially after he said, hey, all I want to know, you must be from God. I, I believe Jesus discerned his heart, and he's wanting this life. He, he's wanting to pursue Jesus with everything he's got in him. And, and he said, Jesus speaks to him, and he said, the only way that you're going to enter into the kingdom or see it is that you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus speaks back and says, well, God, how can a man that is old be, go back into his mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus answers and said, Most assuredly I say to you, that lest one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The sport, being born of water, he wasn't necessarily talking about water baptism, although that could play a big role. He's talking about being born of woman. Because when we were in the womb, what were we in? We were in water. We were in a sack of water being formed. So he said, lest one is born of, of, of water and one that is also born of the Spirit. Now, I also believe that he's talking about baptism, that we enter it through the, through the waters of baptism, uh, symbolizing that death and resurrection, a brand new life. But he said, except one is born of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And I believe I heard the word of the Lord a while ago through Miss June. He was talking about God giving us eternal life. I believe the kingdom life deals with what is right here. And most of us are looking for what is up there. And God said, I came to give you life and to give it to you right here. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Val was preaching. Something jumped out at me when he spoke it like this. God speaks more about us living than he does about us going. And we need to understand that God wants kingdom life, eternal life, everlasting life, good life to the greatest extent right here. And Jesus said, don't marvel that I say to you, be born again. Because he's talking about that sinful condition and that man being resurrected into a new life. But this is an incredible verse. The next one says, Pastor, how does all of this happen? How does any miracle happen? How does any miracle happen? This is something you and I get a hold, need to get a hold of. The wind blows where it wishes. And you can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from, nor can you tell where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Boy, there's a great revelation right there. If God is speaking to you about a transformation, a breakthrough, a miracle, you may not know how. You probably won't see where it comes from. He said, look at the wind. Yet I send the wind to do what I need it to accomplish. See, you don't know where it comes from, but you still feel it. And you still see it. For all of you that are trying to figure out God, why would God want to love somebody like me? I don't know. Let's just face the reality. I don't know why he would either. I don't know why he would love somebody like me. But he does. And he loves you. With an incredible love. And then he walks through Jesus. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus speaks to him. He said, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Kind of corrects him. He said, you would have known the Torah and you would have heard of all the stories. From from Adam all the way to, to David and beyond. You would have known this. And Jesus speaks this story to him. And he says, hey. Do you remember when Israel sinned in the wilderness? You remember when they rebelled against me and the fiery serpents came and bit them and there were many of them, 3,000, 30,000, something like the number of people died in the wilderness? And he said, how did I solve that problem? I had him, I had him take a brazen serpent and put it upon a pole and stand before the people and everybody that looked upon it and believed they were made whole. He took him all the way back to an Old Testament principle that he should have understood or that he should have recognized what was getting ready or what was happening with Jesus. And then he goes on to say, listen, those that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But we stopped there and we missed the next verse. For the next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The real translation says it like this. The world is already condemned. The world is already condemned. For the wages of sin is death. 
It's already been passed upon it. Jesus didn't have to come and say, nope, you're done. Nope, you're done. I condemn you. Jesus didn't have to do any of that. Mankind was already condemned. Jesus come to break that curse and give us a breakthrough that we could live with him forever. Let me land my jet right here this morning. Because the reality of what just happened there goes all the way back to the beginning. Keep in mind, it goes all the way back to the beginning in Genesis when Adam sinned against the Lord. There were three questions. I gave you three things about God's love while ago. But Jesus, but the Bible and Jesus just answered three questions that God asked of Adam in the garden. And the first one was this. When Adam sinned, Adam's hiding among the bushes trying to cover himself up. And the first question is, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? And here's the reality of that love. The incredible love of God didn't stop and say, yeah, you deserve to be right where you are. But the love of God came looking for us. See, the question was when God said, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. Problem being, Adam didn't know where he was. He was lost. He was in a place of bewilderment. He was in a place that he couldn't discover his way back to that place of peace that he had just a few moments ago. Even the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, believe it or not, all we like sheep have gone astray. So in other words, you Pentecostals like me, I used to hear the old saints testify like this. I found the Lord when I was 12. I found the Lord years ago. There wasn't a one of us found the Lord. We couldn't even find our way out of a wet paper sack. We couldn't get out of our darkness. We couldn't make our way out of despair. But the love of God came throughout the ages and it came looking for me. For God so loved. Jesus came. He answered a question back there. Adam, where are you? But now I know where I am. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't have to say I'm a sinner saved by grace anymore. I'm no longer a lost individual. I'm a child of God seated in the righteousness of Jesus. I know where I am. You know where you are? The love of God assures me that. It assures me. Here was the second question. He said, as Adam was in the garden, he was afraid. And hey, I was afraid. I'm naked. God speaks to him and said, who told you such a thing? Where did you get that falsehood information at? Who told you? Who have you been listening to? I believe this is what the love of God did. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. So God's incredible love really through his son Jesus brought to us what real truth. I want to tell you who you are because Jesus didn't die for me to get me out of hell. Come on, you better hear what I'm telling you because that's where most believers live. I'm saved to keep from going to hell. He didn't save me to get me out of hell. He saved me to redeem me back into my original position and form. And he said, this is the truth of who you are. 
I shared with one of the people the other day. I won't, I'll keep them nameless. They're in the room, so don't be offended at me. I, it, it ain't great. But, you know, they've been a part of that world, the drug-addicted world and such as that, and they're a great support and help, and they've got this great plan that they've got to want to help that, that community of people because it is a community. I asked them this question. Here's the question. Are you going to dwell among them or are you going to lead them out? You see, church, if we're not careful in our good of trying to minister to people, all we're doing is keeping them there. And so this is why we say, well, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. You guys that have struggled with addiction, you could say, I once was an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Got news for you. That's not a word from heaven. That's not a word from God. No matter how good it makes you feel, God said, that's not what I intended for you to be and I'm going to tell you the truth of who you are. You are a free man and a free woman and I have seated you in a place of perfect liberty. So we got to be careful that we're not feeding a monster that's keeping them there. See, I love the story of Bartimaeus, but most people, if we're going to tell the story, we tell it like this. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of blind Bartimaeus. He ain't blind. You can't find him blind. He's walking around heaven with eyes wide open, but he left this earth with his eyes open. But we keep identifying to a past life instead of the life of truth that God said, wait a minute, I didn't call you addicted. I didn't call you sick. I didn't call you abused. I didn't call you all these things. Uh, even my, hello, I'm going to get in trouble possibly with this, so don't anybody throw anything, okay? I'm a cancer survivor. Uh, no, you come through cancer, please. But as long as you want to be a survivor, there's a connection that keeps. But you, ha you and I need to come to that place to say, wait a minute. I'm the well of the Lord. I'm the whole of the Lord. I don't even carry a mark or a scar upon my life. I may have had cancer. I'm not saying that we don't need to use our testimony or anything, but we need to stand in the truth of who we are. I am a righteous, overcoming, born-again, blood-bought man, woman, son, daughter of the Most my God. Jesus brought truth. He come to show us the truth. He was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Boy, that's a great point right there. Tempted in every way that we were and never got into the temptation. But pastor, that was Jesus. That's not me. I know. But he knew that we couldn't get out of it. So what did Jesus do? He come to take the place to rewrite the identity of our life that said, this is how I am and this is my lot in life. Oh man, there's another saying right there. You need to get that bad word out of your mouth. Well, this is, how, this is what the cards have fallen to me. This is what life has given me. What life? It definitely wasn't the life of God. 
Pastor, you're condemning me, putting too much condemnation. Listen, friend, I'm not here to keep you in the same spot. I'm here to get you out of that mess and get you back up where God intended for you to live. Hello? Hmm. Who told you that lie? Jesus came with truth. So here's the third question. Here was the third question. Uh, what is it you've done? And you know the story that immediate, you know, it's that chick that you gave me. That crazy good-looking woman you gave me got me into this mess. You know what? They failed. They failed. They were there. But Jesus came to take the blame. Adam was throwing it on somebody, and our nature is to always blame. I, well, I, I, I come up in a bad home. I'm not saying that those things don't have an effect. Believe me, please, I'm not. This happened in my life, and that happened, and that's the reason I, I'm there. But if you can, I could ever get the revelation of the, of the incredible, unfailing love of God that Jesus came to take every bit of the blame so that the consequence is no longer laying upon you. Jesus took all the consequence of my failure and of my sin. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, I'll take their punishment. I'll take their sin. I believe it's in Corinthians sin that he that knew absolutely no sin became sin for us. He didn't limit to what sin. He became sin for us. So if he became sin for us, why are you and I still carrying last week's sin? If he took care of that at the cross, why are we taking, why are we still carrying a lifetime of failure? When if I'm going to blame somebody, yes, I could blame this, I could blame that, but I'll never get to life and I'll never get free and I'll never walk in the life that God intends for me to live in if I'm going to keep pointing my finger of what somebody else has done for me or done against me. You'll never get anywhere until you come to embrace the reality. Embrace the reality that Jesus took our guilt and took our shame. And he took, he took it all so that I don't have to carry it. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one that will take the sin issue so that they could live. Man, you talk about an incredible Unfailing love. Wow. But then let me end right here. After he spoke those things, the Lord looks and he speaks to the serpent. He said, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all. And more than every beast of the field. And on your belly shall you go all the days of your life. You shall eat the dust of the earth in all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he will bruise your head and you 
will bruise his heel. Two words used there. Same word used twice. One, he said, you, talking about Jesus, he shall bruise your head. The word bruise there really is the word crush or to fatally wound. A fatal wound. That's the first one. He's going to fatally wound your head. In other words, he's going to annihilate all of your authority. But notice what he said the serpent would do to Jesus. He said, yep, you're going to bruise him. But you won't fatally destroy him. Because the idea of being bruised meant that it wasn't fatal, even though that Jesus was going to die. But from that passage alone, Miss Tanya, God is telling us He would never stay upon that cross or He would never lay in that tomb. But Jesus would rise up out of it victoriously for every one of us in this room. Because of the great love of Father, God's great love for us, He said, I'll let him be crushed. I'll let him be bruised. I'll let him be whatever. I'll let him go through all that pain and all that torment. Jesus gladly said, no man takes my life. I lay it down freely. Because Jesus knew it was his great love for you and I. It was his great love for you and I. Was the reason that he went through all of it. So that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. You know, there was another question I overlooked. He said this, what is it to the woman? Because the man said, that woman. Then he looks at the woman and he said, what is this thing you have done? The serpent deceived me and I ate. I believe that lie. And God gives us an answer through Christ. He said, all I ask you to do is simply believe that whosoever believeth in him shall have. He deceived her to think if she ate of that, she would have it. And God says, now through my great love, all I'm asking, I'm not asking you to labor for it. I'm not asking you to get religious and do penance. I'm not asking you to do all these things at religion. All I'm asking you to really do is believe. You know, it's too hard. It's so simple, we've made it hard to simply believe Jesus. But pastor, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know. Don't matter if I know. If you tell me, that may be the worst thing that can happen. Because I may not be able to handle that. But I want to tell you the the incredible, unfailing love of God can handle anything and everything that you've you've gone through. Because remember, He fell in love with you back there. He solved the problem before the earth was ever formed. He gave a solution to you guys, even in a moment of hurting. Even in a moment. I'm, I'm telling you, His great love is sustaining you. And his great love is wrapping around you. And he looked into the ages to come and he would see all of these things. And all he asks us to do is just believe him. Some of us in this room have a hard time receiving 
because of our failure, because of everything that we did. It's hard for us as believers to receive. God wants to bless me beyond your wildest dreams. Beyond our wildest dreams. We're going to be sharing more of this with you in the days to come. But one of our values that we're going to hold strong to in this house is the God that we serve is a God that is unlimited. Therefore, we're going to believe Him for big, amazing, incredible things that only God can make a way for.